I lost more friends on my block in Conway, South Carolina than I've lost in any unit we ever went to war in. Really? So when, when I say life is the hardest thing to overcome, it doesn't matter where you at. It's there waiting on you every day that you wake up. You lost more friends. Absolutely. At home than you did at war. I've lost more friends in Conway, South Carolina. Not friends that I know abroad, just in my little sister. In the time that I was in the Marine Corps, not before, mm -hmm. not at, if I just count the time that I was in. Equal span. I lost more friends in that town than I've lost in any unit I've ever been in, in a war that was going on for 15 years. All right, man, it's a great day to change lives. The Instinct Podcast is in full effect. So what we do, we got life in the building. I'm, I'm excited, man. I actually saw you last week in a clip with the Bumblebee. I sent it to everybody I knew. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but just the power of the law of attraction. I was so excited to see your clip. And now you're at the Instincts Podcast getting interviewed. We gotta be careful what we wish for. Absolutely. All right, and I know you can talk about that, man. Listen, we start the show off with a real simple question. Everybody sees us now being successful. I'm in the speaking world as well. They see us on stages. They see us making videos, but they don't know we've all been through something. Absolutely. This show is about turning tribulations into celebrations and showing people that you can get through it. What is arguably the most challenging thing you've ever been through? And then more importantly, how'd you overcome it? Just life in general, first and foremost. Wow. Uh, coming in the world, I come from Conway, South Carolina. In Conway, South Carolina, we're in a space where our road was pretty much divided in the city. I came up where it's still Confederate Memorial Day in our city. Now. I come from a space in 2010, a man was charged with slavery, pled guilty and got 10 years. We're from a different space in life, so I grow up in a space that was the most difficult challenge. But I believe, and I just believe, I actually know that the vast majority of us do. But what happens is we accept the worst situations in the world as normalcy wow. because everybody around us is going through the same thing. So the most challenging thing that you've overcome, you said, is life. Absolutely. Every now, day you got to um, overcome it. And it, you introduce yourself to me as life. Dr draw that parallel. So are you saying that your life is difficult? Or are you now celebrating life? Is there as a poet? And we'll get into that. Is there a parallel between life and your, and your name? So life really came from them giving me that name. I didn't choose it. It okay. chose me. So when I was in Australia, which is really funny, they said that aboriginals don't get their aboriginal name until they see the characteristic that the person displays. Really? And then they're given the name, whatever the <laughs> aboriginal name should be. Okay. Because if not, you're given a name by a person who's never met you before. Makes sense. Makes so sense. the world started calling me life just because every situation we were in, whether it was in the streets, whether it was in the Marine Corps, whether it was writing, whether it was speaking, it was always about life. I'll go with you on the play, but the question is, how is this gonna impact us in the long run? Mm. I'm with you, I'm, if we riding, I'm riding. Mm. But is it worth it in the long run? Did we look at this thing from all angles? And then I would give advice, and that's how I get to the space of being an advisor. So a lot of people didn't understand in both spaces of my life. Being from where I'm from was difficult, being a Marine, super difficult. Mm. But in both spaces, I was trusted as the advisor. Let's talk about that. Marines, some of the most elite forces in the world. First of all, thank you for your service. Oh, man. I appreciate God, it. And how many years in the Marines and what did you do while in the Corps? Uh, 21 years in the Marine Corps. And what did you do? What was so your role? initially, I was an avionics technician for KC-130 aircrafts. And to the point where when I first came in, I was a Marine a year, I'm meritoriously promoted. I get the E-6 in six and a half years. I am the subject matter expert for electronics on an airplane that's not even in the Marine Corps inventory yet. 
Wow. Okay. Wow. So I, I really did the Marine Corps. But what I realized was there's a forgotten card of people that wasn't being fought for. So we had to start looking at the whole perspective in a different way. Hmm. As I started going through the ranks, I started becoming an advisor to the Sergeant Major. So I started moving out of the realm of my MOS. When I became a gunny, I was a squadron gunny everywhere I went. I set up leadership schools for the groups. So I became the voice. And a lot of my plaques say the voice for the unit. So as the Sergeant Major's squadron gunny, he came to me for advice. So in the Marine Corps, as you go through different echelons, your job title changes depending on exactly what it is that your specialty at. So wow. my specialty is esprit de corps, spirit of camaraderie, building teams, creating award-winning teams, and getting people in a leadership space to where they need to be and advising leaders on the best methods to get that accomplished. That's dope, man. That's dope. So in 20 years, I'm sure we've had a war. Oh, it's Wait, been war you, 15 of those years. Really? You experienced, so did you, did you actually experience combat? Well, even though you were in aviation, safe to say? Absolutely. Did you ask, so you didn't have to go to the battlefield, but were you in any, in harm's way? So the beautiful thing about war is we're always at war. That's true. There's a Marine in a trench right now. So what, I've been in operations. I've been in spaces of operations that never hit the news. Hmm. So I, I hate to disqualify those who didn't go, because everybody Absolutely. won't go. It's all important. So I was in a teacher's capacity Everybody's at first, important. and then I came to units where we were consistently going to war. Hmm. The craziest part about that is, this is the advisory part, this is the part with poetry, this is the part where understanding the importance of being a whole human. I lost more friends on my block in Conway, South Carolina than I've lost in any unit we ever went to war in. Really? So when, when I say life is the hardest thing to overcome, it doesn't matter where you at, it's there waiting on you every day that you wake up. You lost more friends absolutely at home than you did at war. I've lost more friends in Conway, South Carolina. Not friends that I know abroad, just in my little sister. Mm -hmm. In the time that I was in the Marine Corps, not before, mm -hmm. not at, if I just count the time that I was in. Equal span. I lost more friends in that town than I've lost in any unit I've ever been in, in a war that was going on for 15 years. Was it gang related? It was no gangs where I was from initially. Mm -hmm. We grew up, you was from this block, you was from this side of town, you was from over there. Just and beefing amongst each other. Just beefing amongst each other. What, what would you say is the number one thing that plays our community as it relates to um, those type of, that type of destruction? What would you say is the number one thing? Is it the chase for money? Is it the gang violence? Is it lack of self? I'm, I'm probably giving you, it's probably all of these <laughs> answers, but as, as deep as you are, what, would, what have you noticed about just our community and why we are um, in that state of mind? We, we one, lack of knowledge of self, mm. lack of self-love, and then not understanding. We come from a space. My mother taught me different principles than I could teach my kids now. So it's oftentimes we look at the generation that came before us, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, that was wrong. But my mother told me a child is to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. My father told me a child, and then my pops is my 10th grade school teacher, who is my advisor, which got me to the position I'm in right now. We talk about it. But my, they told me to be seen and not heard. It doesn't sound intelligent right now. Correct. Until you realize you're from Conway, South Carolina. He said when he looked at a white woman's clothes on the line, he could be lynched. So he had to give me principles that when I wasn't in his sight, I knew how to maneuver around that town. So for that generation, for that space, he was telling me the thing to survive in that space. Mm. So what I believe that we lose is the fact that we don't know ourselves or why things transpired in that space. Self-hatred, co-intel, pro, we can go into a lot of things, Absolutely. right? But understanding the systematics that's plagued us. And then the lack of self-love. Because if I don't love me, I can't love anything else. How, how are you dealing with the loss of so many close friends and partners? 
I mean, or are you dealing with that? How do you deal with losing that many people in that amount of time? Uh, the craziest thing is I found my gifting. So I, I put it in poetry, I put it in speaking. So poetry was a space for me to actually be where you can be naked in front of everybody. I didn't have to be this toxic, masculine person. Mm, mm. I didn't have to be the guy from the hood that was super strong and super big. I didn't have to be the Marine and wear it on my chest. I can go on the stage and be totally naked and vulnerable mm. and pour out. So it became my therapy in that space. Mm. And I do see a therapist. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I pray and I see a therapist. That's, that's a real should. thing. And Absolutely. I think that's another thing that's taboo is looked down upon in our community. So we like, go to the pastor, let him pray it. And then uh, sometimes we need some tactics. We need some mental health. Like yeah. God gave that mental health specialist the ideology, the intelligence to work those problems. Absolutely. So the way I started dealing with it initially was I'm going to put it all in poems. And then I realized I'm speaking for a card of people. So talk to me about the first time you realized that poetry was more important than just words on paper. Was it when you hit the stage? Was it the first time you saw the impact it had on somebody? When, when did you know that poetry, that your voice really mattered? I know the absolute space. I was in New Orleans. Uh, good brother, we started a record company. Me and Anthony Lewis, a brother named Rhodesia Brown, allegedly hit somebody to get some money to do a thing. Got a hit put on him and killed him. They killed him? They yeah. killed one of the three, one of the three co-founders? Yeah, so mm -hmm. it was me, uh, Rhodesia Brown, God bless the dead, and Anthony Lewis, my man in Oak. I get there, I talked to him the week before when they shot him up. I'm like, yo, just come up here with me. Mm. And he goes, well, I ain't no coward. If I leave, they gonna kill everybody down here. I'm striving to get advice in that space. So what happened, we go to the funeral. Crazy things about to transpire. It's a lady in the booth, she's doing a gospel song. This is when I was rapping though. Mm. And I was like, I'm really thinking, I'm gonna ride for this, which isn't the most intelligent thing, but the way my loyalties and principles and warriorship was set up, I'm like, okay, like this, this is the thing that I understand. I said, before I do, I'm gonna go in this booth. I don't care what the track is, just put some on, let me clear my mind first. Wow. What came out wasn't a rhyme because she was doing gospel. It came out in poetry and I wrote this thing called Sinner's Prayer. And uh, after that, it was the paradigm shift. Everybody in the room kind of looked different. I said, oh, rap is seven to 17, poetry is seven to 77. Hmm. Demographic expanded. I can do anything with this. I'm not caged to the music. I'm not caged to the sign. I'm not caged to the times. I can create my own rhythm. I can be totally naked, transparent, and it's impacted a room full of gangsters. Let me see how much further this can go. My daughter, Coach, wrote the poem, put it together, got it in the Naval Academy. Really? Paradigm shift. So right then, my gift and skill set created generational wealth for my family. Mm. So it was the pattern rapper, Poet, speaker, <laughs> absolutely. That's that's pretty much the of those genres. Indeed, rapper, poet, speaker. Yes, and it's amazing because they all they all have a, a cadence. They all have the ability to use words to impact people on a positive nature. Absolutely. So, talk to me about your first time on stage, like in front of an audience. Um, were you nervous? Po poetry or rapping? <laughs> Let's go with poetry first. Uh, poetry, I did it with my eyes closed. Really? No nerve. You weren't nervous? Yeah. So my guys challenged me to go into a poetry club and do a poem, and I'm like, I'll go. But there ain't no music to hide behind. Ah! It ain't no... It's just you and the words. And poetry, you got to... Every word matters. So you had to say something. <laughs> and it's all these people that don't look like you. You're, you're, you don't feel right in the room. You're out of pocket, out of culture, out of space. Mm. I closed my eyes, and I <laughs> went in. But that's, that's one of those things. You do it scared. Do it with your eyes closed. Just do it, though. 
in the Marine Corps, like when, I, when I'm advising people on how do you take this gift, skill set, and talent to a space, well, in the Marine Corps, I couldn't swim. Really? In Conway, South Carolina, can't swim. We was right by Myrtle Beach. You didn't go to the beach to swim, though. Really? You in the pool, splashing water in the face. I would have thought under- swimming was a prerequisite. To oh, get no, it. indeed. <laughs> the Marine Corps is one of those places, though, they don't care. There's a 10-foot tower you got to go up, and everybody's going up. It don't care, no matter what happens. I'm the guide. Right. So in boot camp, I'm, I'm numero uno in my platoon. They send me up the ladder. I'm climbing. I'm like, oh, tell the drill instructor I can't swim. I asked you to swim, son. Oh, think I know you better get up the dog going. <laughs> climbing That's up this thing going. Now, you're seeing people bail out, and you're going to get kicked out of here. Really? They're going to put you in another platoon, but you can't live here. Bail out is in come down yeah. or jump out? I, I can't do it. Really? So Half, I'm up there, halfway up? Halfway up. But the Marine Corps is putting this ideology, this, this philosophy into you, this coaching you. So I get to the top, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I see my drill start from corner of my eye. He's like, you're going to drown today, son. It's over water? It's in the pool. Oh, the ten feet. <laughs> it's a 10 foot. I missed that. I missed in that. The pool. It's in the pool. Okay. You got to look, you got to cross your arms. You got to look down, look up, take a step. Go. Boots. And you didn't know how to swim. You got on boots. <laughs> you got on utes. You got on your utilities. And I stepped off. You got to trust that team that's down that is going to save your life. Gotcha. Even though you don't know them. You hit the water. Boom. Not float. Right. That's all that matters. <laughs> I'm not floating. I'm, I'm, I'm here. All right. Drowning in the space, and then people pick you up, drag you to the side. I got fired because I couldn't swim, even though I told them beforehand. But it wasn't about that. It's about the fact what I jump in. Mm. Do I have a team that I can trust? And that happens with a lot of people when it comes to just life in general. Mm. Poetry, everything, you do everything the same way. If I could jump off that, if I could do poetry on the stage and be scared, I could teach companies, I could teach people how to advise their people and lead their people because I know when all I had was people to save my life, they did it. Mm. So let me tell you, you said something to me earlier that when you were a poet, it may have been X amount of dollars, but somebody pulled you aside and said, look, man, you more than that, you're a speaker. And I'm going to tell you, (laughs) if you haven't seen his reel with the bumblebee in the hat, when I open up the show, I just feel like it's so ironic that you sitting here because two days ago, I saw, I was going, I was on Instagram, I saw a reel, and you talked about the awkwardness of the bumblebee. And because I do the Instincts training series, and of course the Instincts podcast, I'm very into animals. You see, we got some ducks coming up on you. Absolutely. We got the birds here. I didn't have no bumblebees, so I went with the next thing that could fly. I right? brought mine with me. I brought mine with me. <laughs> you brought yours with you. And you talked about the bumblebee, and you didn't even know how viral this thing was. You haven't, you, and, and, and like most of us, we don't check the numbers or that, that, that doesn't quantify our level of impact. But talk about that bumblebee real quick and what you said on that, on that reel, because that's how I met you. Absolutely. So every day I wear a bumblebee and people walk up like, why do you wear it? Well, they say that a bumblebee, aerodynamically, by the laws of physics, the bumblebee is not supposed to fly. But every day we watch bumblebees fly. So we come from places and spaces where you tell people what's your dreams, goals, and aspirations. And instantaneously, they'll be like, you can sing, but you ain't no beyond. I mean, you can't sing, sing. I don't know why they got to say it two times to make it hurt just a little bit more. <laughs> so every time you tell somebody what it is that you came to do, they're telling you what you can't do. Mm. But when I started telling people I was going to speak, they did the same thing. They looked around like, man, you can speak. You ain't no E.T., though. Mm. I mean, you, you, you decent, but you ain't no speak, man. You better get a real job. Mm. Even the people that was living off the fruits of my labor were saying the same thing. Then they started seeing me flying around the world. And they're like, yo, how are you doing that? I said, it's simple. 
Because when you listen to the world tell you what you can and can't be, I just be where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to be. Mm. The bumblebee is my constant reminder. It's never impossible. It's always I'm possible. If I can apply the acronym, B is an acronym for me. You believe, you educate, then you execute. Mm. If I could do those three things, I could do anything in the world. And I've been applying that pressure. Even when you study how it flies, when they talk about the aerodynamics, the beautiful part is bees don't fly off aerodynamics. So people thought it was just a sweet conversation. They don't fly like birds fly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The wings move like this. Mm -hmm. So what people don't understand is when they talk about how that bumblebee actually, they say it's brute force over aerodynamics. Wow. There's some things you're going to have. It's going to take brute force to get past yourself. Absolutely. To get past the understanding that you have about what everybody pointed you and say you couldn't do. Mm. It's brute force that's going to have to get you in position sometimes when you don't look the part. I don't look like a poet. I don't look like the advisor till I walk into the room and become the paradigm shift for your business. Till I walk in the room, I walk in the prison with Andre Norman and we in Academy of Hope and everybody else has been to prison but me. And they're like, yo, how you here? Man, listen, I know one thing for sure and two things for certain. Anything about culture, I can move it. I've been moving things in the most tumultuous situations on the planet. Mm. I surely can do this. Mm. So I believe it, I educate, I execute. It's brute force sometimes when you get in the room. How, how much are you going to push yourself to get to where you're going? Last thing, and we're going we're gonna to let you go, man. You go from poet to speaker. Your first <laughs> international speaking engagement. How'd you get it? How'd you feel? Everywhere I go, I, I lock in. So we were actually on a deployment. The craziest thing we was in Australia on a deployment, and they told us all of these things. Like when you get an in-country brief, they speak on aboriginals, they tell you what they are, and then of course you hear the underground jokes about who they are and what they are, and I got there, I, try, I strive to find out people wherever I'm at. So I get there, linked into this lady named Dr. Graceland Smallwood, and she is really the Nelson Mandela of Townsville, Australia. Wow. They defend their elders in a different space. Like you can't be around an elder and they don't know who you are. They didn't like American black men because they say we come there, date white women, and just leave and not see their struggle. They mm. still had gerrymandering laws at the time. Mm. So I'm around and people was like, oh, no, you got to meet Gunny. So they came get me. I was like, how you doing? She said, what's your name? I said, Life. She said, oh, Life. That's a beautiful name. <laughs> so what do you do? And they was like, he's a poet. I did a poem. She took me all around Australia. We was at homeless shelter. We was in the prisons in Australia. We had DJJ in Australia in Townsville. I leave and the country calls me and says, we need you to come speak to the International World Conference of Human Rights. I said, what? They sent a wire for me to go, 2011, Angela Davis is on the bill. We're in Townsville, Australia at James Cook College. They called on, me man. in to do a poem and she was like, I'm like, what happened? They get there, I have to tell the command, they fly me. So now I'm not on the Marine Corps dime, I'm literally being flown to Australia. I get there to speak, she introduces me. She says, well, Loif, uh, I, I want to tell the people something about you. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, can I say anything? I said, just tell them the truth. She said, Loif came here when everybody else was partying. He was here with a 65-year-old lady. She said he could have any woman here that he wanted. But when everybody was in the bougie hotel, he came and slept on my floor. Everywhere we get, he gets challenged for being with me. He slept on the floor. Mm. He never complained. He got challenged every time he stayed. Who he is is not about the stage. He's the same person in the darkness. That's dope. And that was my first international speaking again. I went and I gave this poem and it's been on fire ever since. So One moment I advised in time. her on that. 
one moment in time. It changed the trajectory. So poetry, people hear it, but there's advisement that I give in those spaces. I don't have a poem about the, do- the blue dog ran. I'm striving to get you to understand the psychographic of people. Mm. I'm striving to get you to understand the psychographic of a village, of a community, mm. and how we get to a better space. So, And in the speaking game, what's your specialty? Like, like I have instincts, animals, podcast, leadership. In the speaking game, you have a certain specialty that, that uh, you get, uh, that you have a niche where people bring you in? Culture. Culture. <laughs> culture. 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 Yep. Okay. Okay. And I advi- I, so in that culture space, I'm advisor to business owners. I'm advising. Oh, you said coaching. Culture. I don't, okay, okay, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So South Carolina Culture. mixed with 21 years of everything in the world around. It's a gumbo. I, I, I see you. You got. You can do your Australia. It sounds great. I heard a little bit of New Orleans earlier. South Carolina, you got the gullet, got the Geechee. <laughs> yes, okay, so you're saying culture. Yes. Okay. Because in all those spaces, that was the thing that was the paradigm shift. Okay. If you can understand the culture, if you can change the culture, if you can impact and maneuver a culture, you can maneuver people. The Marine Corps is the smallest institution of armed forces in the whole United States arsenal. Mm. But we are the apex armed force in the world. Mm. Why? Because every person understands the culture of what it is that we're about to do. Every person, if, if I can see an enemy over here, but that's not my field of fire, if my responsibility is right here, I can see it, but it's, I gotta depend on this person over here. Mm. My culture suggests I covered this with 100% of me and I trusted this aspect would be covered by the person that's to my left or right. Gotcha. Culture runs the whole situation, and that's what I advise people on. So how can more people get access to you? got a program or anything that you market? How can I help you market your program, your uh, speaking engagements? How can I help you? So if you go to lifespeakslife.com, you can find me there. If you go to thevillage.com, you can find me there. And I'm really here to help people. Mm. So find me if you need help. Right, absolutely. I don't want you to find me just, oh, I want to be around life, because that's not it. It's purpose attached to what it is that we do. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find me there, and we'll definitely assist. Come in, not just assist. We'll change some things. Let's do it, man. I have a I have a speaker camp called Monetize Your Message. Yes, obviously, where I teach people how to monetize their life's trials and tribulations, celebrations. And one for my um, high end clients, I say, look, this is how I've spoken into existence. I'm gonna give you access to some of the best speakers in the world that I know. And I think that Bumblebee brought us together, man, to help some people in this speaking game. And if you don't mind, man, I love to bring you in on my mastermind so we can help some people get their message out to the world because you definitely got one. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's amazing. Something that small on that hat 48 hours ago got you right here, man. And it's my honor, man. It really is. It really is. I appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. oh big brother big brother dre is in the back he said he want a poem yeah. hey man he bigger than both uh, of us so we got to give it to him andre is and i'm gonna say this and a lot of people are like oh you can't big up anybody uh there's gonna be a successor that's it's right. a giant that stands i get to stand on his shoulders a lot of people don't say that people are like oh you big up everybody else more than you big up yourself that's because you got a pride issue mm. so when, when dre screams that from the back wherever we at we in the car on the side of the road. See, there's a difference between people like, oh, the old guy, y'all, he's the OG. No, no, he's an elder. That's right. There's a difference between an elder and an old person. Mm. An old person just been on the earth a long time, but an elder knows that one day the boots will come off and I got to pass down information to the next generation to get them to where they're going. Absolutely. So when people see it, they're like, oh, Andre, you, you always around drain. No, 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 no. We're supposed to sit at the feet of the elders because there's going to be a day where Dre's going to have to say, okay, Probably when his tombstone come, but at least he knows somebody coming behind. Got him. 
Right. So when he screamed that, it ain't no question. He's like, yo, you got three seconds. Let's to go get to the pole. <laughs> Let's so, go. You freestyle. And so, um, God, I need you. But I need you to meet me outside the cathedrals and churches, then walk with me up the block to where the herd is. And this time around, we can't bring no more churches or pastors who are more concerned with the fact that my pants are sagging than they all about teaching about the passion. So in turn, they tried to scare us with hell. For real. Blockman hot all my life. How you gonna scare me about a place that we already dwelled? Learn how to get it on my own before the age of 12 because my mother couldn't afford us, but she had four of us. And since she had love for you, she wouldn't have bought us, so she brought us to this godforsaken place. Please, don't try to scare us with hell when we were babies, born in the flames, bastard, child, fatherless. Only thing I bore was his name, and all of my friends were the same as me. Except for their fathers did a hood pregnancy test, held his breath for nine months till they was born and was like, yes, I'm gone because it's going to look like me, see? God, I need you to tell these people to stop trying to scare me with hell when I've seen my best friend in a hospital bed with his head shot off because a 15-year-old decided to let a Glock pop off at 2 o'clock in the daytime when he stood in the front yard waiting for his kids to get off the bus. Now his son's last memory of his father is him standing in the driveway having to mop up the blood, see? God, I need you to teach me how to hug my brother through the tears of a 22-year-old nephew who sits in a jail cell awaiting trial when his mother died and though his father got released from prison he never gets to visit him because the judge just sentenced him to 45 years y'all talking about hell boy we've been here on a daily basis staring at satan through the eyes of racist police officers who get off on offering us they get off for offering us because they officers it happened too often bro i'm from the block where oxycontin was popping crack rocks was chopped black glocks was popping off when leadership sits back in them back offices having black caucuses we were stuck in project apartments walking over black caucuses saturday morning i sat with killers and barbers shops with us, watching as you pass by. Wonder why you never stopped to talk to us unless you gave me the pamphlet that said go to hell or believe. But I know I've read in the word with loving kindness I've drawn knee. So when you was cooped up in the church, I took it back to the streets and screamed, how you gonna be the shepherds if you don't smell like no sheep? So now you can catch me anywhere, whether they call me Slick Life or Bubs, you can catch me in the hood with a firm dap and a hug. Some people don't understand. Some people understand what it was. He said, you gonna know they're my disciples by the way that they love. So this love, I ain't came out here to judge. I'm just torn poets and pastors. Don't forget about us. See, we was going through hell for that in God we trust. So hell we understand too well. But what we don't understand is love. There's a part that I want to say, right? Because that poem meant something different. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and not just because Dre here, because we have a whole program that we really maneuver in these spaces when there ain't no claps and ain't no cameras rolling. The same conversation about that poem, about my best friend getting shot by a 15-year-old, when we talk about impact in the world, when we talk about it's two tongues on your shoes and one on your mouth, that means you should pay twice as much attention to the way I walk as opposed to the way I talk. The same 15-year-old that killed my best friend, that was in my wedding, that was the best man, that catched the thing I threw off my wife's leg, that we grew up in that space together, the 15-year-old that killed him is in our program. Wow. He would be the paradigm shift for my community because he will not walk in the same way he gonna walk out. So when people ask about this work, no, no, no. That's why I say life is the hardest thing. Every day I wake up, it's in front of me. But every day I'm, I, I committed my life to making it better. Not just for me, for the same people in my town because he's a product of the town we came from. And I can't leave him the way he walked in. So it's a different thing when we talk about this life, Paul. It's a different thing when we talk about our commitment to purpose how much you have to believe in, how much you have to execute, and how much you have to educate yourself. Execution ain't coming to execute the plan. Did I come to kill it? Mm. That's the whole spill, that's the whole piece. So just know when you say you, you gotta go from a struggle, there's a struggle that's different. These ain't cute poems. Mm. There's a struggle. You're gonna have to be held accountable for that tongue in your mouth. Make sure the tongues on your shoes match that same walk as you talk. Life. 
Tap into your instincts. <laughs> Stop, man. It's no accident. No accident. No accident. Thank you.